Welcome to Small Batch Podcast, where we explore the truths and myths of being an entrepreneur in the insanely competitive food and beverage industry. I'm Lauren Rhodes, aka the Kombucha Lady. I'm Paul Bonds, the Country Fried Coffee Roaster. And I'm Matthew McLaughlin, hemp lawyer extraordinaire. Whoa. Whoa. Whoa, that, that took a turn. I gotta go, hemp and ain't easy. <laughs> hemp and ain't easy? <laughs> That's beautiful. So you like Samson. You're the wheat man. Now, huh? um, I kind of want to <laughs> talk about that later, but um, today we're going to do a deep dive into Paul's story. Paul has some exciting news to share about his coffee business and um, some kind of strategic advice uh, or, you know, coming from his personal story. So I'm just going to lob it over to you, Paul. Yeah. So the short story is that I merged my business being fruit coffee company with a another roaster here in the area and probably i guess some of the things that we're going to cover today is like my thoughts with doing that a little bit more details about that and like why i did it basically about eight months ago i ran into the owner of another roasting company here in the area we basically just started asking each other about a business, you know, the usual small talk, like, hey, how's your business going, et cetera. You know, it sort of starts off like, yeah, my business is doing good. We've had some growth. Bean fruit's been growing um, consistently year after year. Uh, I'm looking at investing in like a larger roaster, which he replied to me, yeah, we're looking at getting a larger roaster as well. I was like, yeah. You know, we picked up a couple of accounts that were we could utilize some other equipment like packaging equipment and stuff like that. And uh, he was like, well, yeah, we've got something like that. We've got a couple of things like that in the works. We had a couple of things that we talked about, too, and I kind of walked away from that conversation and was thinking, like, I'm getting ready to buy a larger roaster. He's getting ready to buy a larger roaster. I'm looking at investing in some other equipment. They're looking at investing in some similar equipment. And so, you know, to kind of give you guys a, a an idea, like our two businesses are about location-wise less than 10 miles apart from each other. We're a lot of times attacking some of the same customers, kind of going after the same base. And when I say base, I mean regionally within Mississippi. So I got to thinking and I just called them back and was like, hey, I don't know what this going, where this can lead. I said, Basically, that my business is doing well, your business is doing well. Kind of felt like we're sort of shooting arrows at the same bullseye. And it's like, why are we doing this separately? So basically, after some weeks and months of discussion, we looked at considering doing a merger uh, of the two businesses. And what that would do is basically allow us to utilize some of the same equipment, some of the same staff, reduce cost, set us at like a strategic advantage between the both of us because we, you know, share some of the same suppliers and stuff like that. After lots of discussion, um, lots of uh, legal work and help, we nailed it down and made it happen. I'm excited about it. It gives us a lot more of a sustainable style business because all of a sudden we've got two brands operating under one roof. And we can, you know, kind of hedge between the two businesses. So, yeah, I think this is interesting. This is kind of an alternative path to solving a problem that you were faced with, Paul, that most people don't even consider, you know, is the sort of strategic partnership path. You were faced with having to upgrade, buy larger equipment, more efficient equipment in order to keep up with the product demand. So is someone else. And instead of both parties sort of independently pursuing the same type of equipment and upgrading and having the same cost, knowing that you're going to have idle time with both sets of equipment, you know, this gives you the opportunity to sort of 
create very streamlined efficiencies from equipment use. And, you know, it also provides other advantages that you would not have gotten had you gone out and raised the money independently of one another. Y'all can kind of approach the market with this sort of portfolio approach with products. You know, we can offer two different offerings. I I mean, it just, I think it makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. And, And again, you know, this is a path that a lot of people don't consider as that sort of strategic partnership. Yeah, and see, the the thoughts behind it was, so basically, like, I had a plan. You know, bean fruit wasn't failing. It wasn't like it was, you know, about to fall off the cliff and I need a parachute to save me. It was like I had a great thing going, and um, he had a great thing going too. And it's like, why not get a great thing going together, you know, really evaluate what those advantages are of working together. You know, my original plan was I started this business out of the garage in my home, Grew it to a point where I was out of a garage, where I was in like a little old small studio suite down here in Midtown, uh, Jackson. Grew out of that, went to like the you know my larger location where I was at in Pearl. Grew from there. My thought was okay. Now that I've got this Rolson operation going, my next thought was to like tap that much more into retail. My original thought that I've been thinking of doing for like the last two years with Bean Fruit was okay, move out of from like a full wholesale operation to combining a retail and wholesale operation all under one roof. When this was presented, I started thinking like this is a route at least to consider. So, you know, I had talked with like banks and semi secured like some funding to go the other way, but still that will inevitably be on my back 100%, right? Because, I mean, the way banks and stuff operates right now, especially with small businesses, you basically, if you need 100000 they're basically looking at you, all right, you got 100000 when you go loan you 100000 off the 100000 that you already have. That's what it feels like nowadays because they want a collateral, whether that's, you know, tying your equity in your home up or tying it up, like, in somewhat with equipment. Banks get real shaky, especially with, like, purchasing equipment like this that, Basically, like a couple of times that I went to start wanting to get like a loan from the bank and I'm telling them, you know, hey, this is an equipment list that I want. This is what it's going to cost. They just, hey, does it have a VIN number? I'm like, no, this is not a vehicle. This is like, <laughs> this is like equipment that I'm understand. used to make. They don't understand it. And it's yeah. like most people, they don't understand it. Like, especially when you start talking about things that are new specialty coffee. I mean, a lot of people think the coffee is dug up out of the ground, right? And put in the bag. So you kind of like trying <laughs> to convey not. that. <laughs> That's another podcast episode. But that's, I mean, so you kind of dealing with that. You know, I was thinking about that when I was considering, like, when this opportunity sort of, like, popped itself up. And it's like, okay, I can move forward and still be 100% on myself. Or I consider, like, partnering with someone. And then all of a sudden, that sort of, like, spreads that across. And, um, you know, we can sort of learn from each other and build off what both of us have, like, created. So you hadn't even really considered a partnership before? Mm-mm. No, it was all me. I mean, I grew, this business, like I said, is something that I started out of the garage in my crib. Mm-hmm. It's always been me. That's kind of like even with me making this move, the hardest adjustment has been me being around people, honestly, on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was feel like I was that much of a hermit in so many ways. You mean because so you were just me. kind of operating your business solo? Yeah, it was yeah. myself and then it'd be like, kind of like a, another person in there. So I mean, that's kind of one of like the intangible benefits of partnering with someone is like you're not alone. You are now able to bounce ideas off of someone that's like your equal and inside it's your like, business. It's like in-house consultant. Basically. Yeah. Can you talk about his business? Because it's complimentary mm-hmm. and you're like different markets that you're kind of targeting. Yeah. And I think I should. And, and, and I'll kind of explain that a little bit better, too. So 
There's Bean Fruit Coffee Company, which is what I started. That was like my brand. And then there's Thunderhead, which is another brand, which was basically under the umbrella of Mississippi Coffee Company. Okay, so with me deciding to go this route, uh, I took partial ownership of Mississippi Coffee Company. And so you've got bean fruit that focuses on like these third wave, more of a really like micro lot, a little bit of a, you hate to use the word like prestigious because that sounds like a extended pinky. But it's more these like, yeah, it's more craft, more of a tight, like I said, micro lot, upper tier, Small small batch upper tier of like specialty coffee and then there's thunderhead that's more of the it's not one of the meal it kind of competes with someone like a caribou within like those brands mm-hmm. in terms of like the offerings price point and stuff like that it's kind of like you kind of so w- w- what i did with this was we got ownership overall of mississippi coffee and bean fruit still continues to go after that subset of customers and then Thunderhead goes after like a, a different subset of customers. But I've got, of course, now ownership over both of those. Yeah. So, I mean, again, it gives you this opportunity to bring a portfolio mm-hmm. of products to a particular retail establishment or a particular retailer and say, hey, look, you know, if you want both of these are premium, um, if you want a smaller batch, more premiumized product, we have a product offering for you. If you want something that is still a premium product, but, you know, it's not necessarily at that price point. We have an offering from you, too. This is actually happening with a, a, a pretty significant degree of frequency in the beverage industry. You know, I may have mentioned this to you, but I was working on a deal that ended up not closing very similar to this in the beer space, where there were two existing brands, both of which were kind of going through the same sort of analysis. Do we, you know, do we expand? We, you know, we've hit this point of um, sort of maximum production. Or do we look for a strategic partnership? And um, that was uh, that was an interesting process. Ultimately, neither brand could get over sort of how what the brand marriage was going to look like and what the overall story was going to be because these were two very different brands. It creates a set of issues outside of you know going and just raising the money yourself and doing it yourself. How are you going to seamlessly weave two companies together? It's not always easy. And I feel like it's rare to have like. It seems like, Paul, you guys are on pretty equal footing. Like you both had established businesses that were similar size, so you can come at it from like an equal playing field. I feel like that must be rare, right? Like there must usually be a company that has more market share or is just like more equipment or more capital. Do you see that, Matthew? And yeah, that's more of, I mean, that's more of... Or is that like an acquisition? That's more of an acquisition. Okay. You took the word right out of my mouth. That's more of a, yeah, we're the big guy this smaller producer, smaller manufacturer isn't a market that we want to be in. It's just easier for us to pick them off to get into that market as opposed to going and developing that market by ourselves. That would be one reason why somebody would do an acquisition. But that, yeah, that's more of a strategic acquisition as opposed to this. I mean, Paul's situation is, it's it's more akin to kind of a joint venture where both parties are sharing equally in the upside. I think the distinction here, again, is that they have complementary products that can be sold from a portfolio perspective to all retailers. It's not, you know, Paul can go in now to one of his customers and he has another product offering and then, you know, the other, you know, the other person, the other Mississippi Coffee Company that had the other brand can also do the same thing. And have you started doing that? 
No, I mean, right now, you know, it's been less than a month since I've actually started physically moving from my location to the next, so I'm still trying to, I mean, really figure out where the bathroom is. So, how's, the, how's the business relationship going up to this point? It's been doing good. It's yeah. been good. You know, like I was saying earlier, the biggest adjustment is just being around people every day. And, like, and, and I mean, it's it's sad to say, but, like, I've got so used to, like, working by myself for so long. Now, with Bean Fruit, like, I had people that worked around me, but it wasn't to the degree of what it is now. You know, I had, like, a part-time person that came in, uh, like, four days a week or so and helped out with making deliveries and packaging and stuff like that and now it's more so of like you know I'm, I, I, I've got another person that I'm like running stuff by mm-hmm. and it's weird but it's like awesome at the same time <laughs> um, because it takes it completely off of me I'm a person that believes like you know if you want like more wisdom you do it within like counsel and so just having somebody else around and sort of like bounce ideas off to say yeah that's great or i don't really think about it just from a different perspective it's very very valuable to me and so um sort of having that there has been like great and you could have gotten that down the road like Mm -hmm. if you had grown your business to like such an extent on your own you Mm -hmm. could maybe i don't know yeah bring someone in but Mm -hmm. this is a really cool way to do that yeah and uh, and on sort of an aside too with Mississippi Coffee, um, although I didn't attain any ownership there, there are two other sister businesses there as well that I've got access to. So um, there's a company there that provides like cafe supply stuff. Mm-hmm. So whether that's like syrups, sauces, you know, chocolate and all that kind of stuff for like cafes. Um, and then there's also another sister business there that does like equipment, um, equipment, uh, installation, um, uh, service and stuff like that. That's all within that one roof. Mm -hmm. So that's another thing that where I don't necessarily have ownership of it, but it's also like a beneficial thing to my company. So to kind of give you an idea there was a we had a customer that came by the shop last Thursday, heard about bean fruit, and she came by to inquire about the coffee and was asking about equipment and stuff like that. Well, before this, I would basically like say, We can do your coffee for you. We're awesome at that. But if you need this stuff, you need to go to this guy for equipment and if you're gonna be doing let's say so like like fraps or something, you gotta go to this guy. Well, Thursday we had a customer come in, wants a service for their coffee, but we can also walk her through for equipment and that cafe supply all in one roof. And that makes you a lot more attractive than versus um, I just got coffee, if that sort of makes sense. So with my experience, 90% of the time, People who want to open up a cafe, they basically say, I got an idea and I got some money. Tell me what to do from A to Z. Mm -hmm. All right. They don't want to have to go to 25 different. They don't want to have to go to 25 different. I mean, you know, you hear about the convenience economy and stuff like that. Um, And, you know, this is not Grubhub or something. But it's like um, 
90 percent of the time people will come into my shop and say hey i'm looking at opening a cafe i've got the money tell me what to do and so like i can say i could do your coffee but i'm gonna send you to a b and c d to, to, to do this other stuff that you need now when they come to our facility and say hey i want you to do my coffee um i've got money i was like okay we can do the coffee um, we've got people set up right here that we can refer you to like layouts, equipment. And if you need this other stuff for your shop, we can help you supply for that too. All on the one roof, all on the one location. And that is very, very valuable to a person who is looking to get a business going. They can do one stop. They've got one or two persons they can talk to. And those one or two persons are all, on the, all at one location. Well, it also, it also creates a degree of stickiness with the customer, meaning if you're if you're so integrated in what they're doing because you're providing three or four or five services to them, it makes it very difficult for them to end that relationship. Yeah. Well, right? it, it makes, I mean, I'm mm-hmm. not saying that it doesn't happen, but you know, you become you become sort of that trusted resource. Um, you deliver, you know, customer service that is unmatched. But also, if you're sort of in with them from three or four different directions, it's it makes the relationship that much stronger well, and harder to break. And it makes it that much more attractive, too, because that's one of the things that I've noticed that is happening with within a lot of industries. But I definitely see it a lot with like specialty coffee. Um, so the opposite of that, it's hardly ever where I've had somebody come in and say, hey, I've got all my equipment. I've got my space laid out. I've got my folks trained. I just need you to provide coffee. That is a very especially on the wholesale side, uh, that is a very minimal amount of customers you're going to run into. And I've had customers that I've lost that I've had an opportunity to service because another competitor did offer those things. Mm-hmm. And so it's sort of like, again, it's the one-stop shop idea. It's like I go to these guys and they can kind of get me from point A to point Z at one location. And that is very, very valuable. Even as a customer, I mean, it's the, number, I mean, it's the reason why Walmart so it's just grown to where the hell you can get groceries, clothes, clothes pins, pets, p- pets. <laughs> yeah, you can get pets, pet food. Um, uh, you can get your medicines all under one roof. You can also yeah. see some weird ass people. Yeah, you can see some weird people. Yeah, but yeah, but that's that's part of the reason why I like these, you know, stores like that, whether it's Walmart, Target, or whatever, has grown because you're not going to here to go get your. Um, clothes and then you drive across the way to get your groceries and then you drive across the other side of the street to go pick up your uh, medicines and then um you know school supplies and stuff at another place and so there's a lot of them uh, there that that has been trending that direction and a lot with a lot of things and i've been seeing a ton with like specialty coffee and so that adds that much more valuable to value uh, much more value to a customer who's looking to do business with you because i mean let's face it just like there's a lot of great companies that do beer there's a lot of companies great companies that do coffee well how do you separate yourself from that well you have you know these all these things all in one place um and that that allows you like separate yourself from like the other roasters who's looking at getting something started out of a garage and say they've got great stuff i think you know, these types of arrangements or relationships can work, and I, I think they are a, a, a good alternative or one that people should consider. Talk about kind of the diligence process that you did on uh, on your partner because, you know, when you're going into this, you don't want to – you want to get out of it what you're, what you're bargaining for, which mm-hmm. is hopefully something where – 
the sum of all the parts is greater than those parts independently of one another. But you don't want to, you know, you don't want to get involved with somebody that's got judgments against them or, or like you know, just personality been, issues right. too. Like yeah, there so, are very few people I'd want to work closely yeah, with. So this was a process for you. I mean, this didn't just yeah. You just yeah. say, oh, hey, yeah, this sounds great. Let's uh, let, let's do this. I mean, this was a a long, drawn out sort of methodical and analytical process. Talk talk about that a little bit. Yeah, it was a few months to kind of you know, it was a few months of of making that happen. Um, Sort of another thing, the, the owner of the business that I merged with, we've had a relationship for, you know, for years, more of a cordial business relationship. Um, I mean, I didn't hear anything, you know, like negative about him. Most of the people that I that that I know that heard that worked with him have positive things to say about him. Um, and also, in the past, when people have come and said, "Hey, I want to use your coffee." but I need equipment or I need like this other stuff who do I talk to I've sent business this way mm-hmm. and likewise in the past too when there have been persons that come to him and they're saying that they want something and he doesn't necessarily fit that niche he sent customers my way too so it's sort of already been that you know sort of that professional respect there already um, between the two companies um, but uh, when it came down to like doing this merger you know, we, you know, did our my best due diligence. We basically got the values of our business assessed to see where it was at. He took a look at my books. I took a look at his books. We worked with a CPA. We worked with a really highly qualified attorney to make it happen. <coughs> <laughs> um, Let me guy, know where you I, can find one of those. Yeah, <laughs> I need one. There's this guy in the room with a, uh, with a vest on Coffee right now. Coffee lawyer. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of um, opened not only um, me, but also the person that was working with to some things that we need to take a look at, um, whether that's liens, whether that's, um, you know, debts and all this stuff too. So we kind of worked through that. I mean, Honestly, that whole process of working through that could probably be like a whole podcast by itself. <laughs> but it is. It's it's you know, it's a tedious process. It it you know, during that time it wasn't all like rosy. There were times where it was like I went back to him like, Man, I don't think we should do this. There were times where he came back to me and was like, I don't think we should do this and you know, we were sort of like have our debates and you know reconcile it and kind of like it reminds me of like someone planning to get married it really is it really is a marriage it's a marriage of 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 businesses you know it's like you know you're now one really so that prenup yeah (laughs) that's basically what it is yeah (laughs) yeah you're kind of working through contracts are a prenup Mm -hmm. yeah and so that's what a part that was so you know we kind of was was bouncing stuff off each other for a while until we finally got to kind of got to something that nailed down the world like okay let's move forward with this you know but yeah it was it was a on and off thing like yeah i don't know if i want to do this and yada 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 what were some of the reasons if you can choose not to answer this but like what were some of the trepidations you had that either one of you were like "Mm, maybe this would be a deal breaker well i mean part of it you got to break up your pride there start with because it's like all of a sudden, you know, I can walk up before this, you know, me, I'm an entrepreneur. I, you know, I'm, you know, I would start this thing and this is all Paul. And let me tell you how it was back in the day with bean fruit and blah, 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 blah. So part of his pride of like, 
you know, you create something, you start from nothing, and then all of a sudden you got to be willing to, like, open the door to let mm-hmm. someone in to um, say, well, I think you should change this. So you, you got to be like, ready I for that. I spent three years refining this process. Right. You don't know what the hell you're talking about. So it's all of that stuff, too. Yeah. Um, other things, too, was like, like I said, you kind of opening yourself up. And so I could be thinking and I'm doing something well for, you know, eight, nine years that the business has been open. And then somebody else could look at that and go, that's dumb. Why are you doing it? And it's like, oh, I never really thought about it that way. So it's all of that good. It's all of that stuff that sort of um, went into it as well. But it was just real like open book. And once you sort of open it up, you know, it's. It's like opening up the tax returns, right? And then you start seeing stuff like, oh, my God, what is this? So it's really literally you open up tax returns yeah. in this case to where you start seeing everything. You know? I think if you come at it from the perspective of transparency on both sides, which, you know, somebody that kind of watched this unfold, I think there was transparency on both sides, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of what the businesses were worth. Um, I saw somebody. I heard somebody say on another deal I was working on, men lie and women lie, but numbers don't. That's true. And so, you know, looking at that, you know, from a valuation perspective, looking what both parties are bringing to the table and sort of figuring out what works for for both people is is critically important. But if there is not complete and just unfiltered transparency from the very beginning, it's likely not going to be a path worth pursuing. You you don't want to be – getting in bed with somebody long term that is not completely vulnerable and honest and open about what they have. Mm-hmm. And so all of that was being weighed. I was also weighing to, you know, I've got a, a I've got a good thing going now. Is that good thing going to be going in 10 years? Right, you don't, you know, you're bargaining on something. Exactly. And so and it's bargaining really with both parties. Um I mean, we've seen it. We've seen restaurants that at one time they're sitting in like every magazine, they're in everything, they're on, they're in Garden and Gun and all this kind of stuff. They're like the hot new thing. And then you look up years later and they're not doing as well. Yeah. And that's another thing too, like I thought about. It's like, okay, bean fruit's going great. We've got some things um, growing and, and going. What happens if I lose these five accounts? What happens? And just from a consumer perspective, perspective too like Mm -hmm. this is what we want small businesses to do to ensure that they survive because it's hard competing against those huge commercial brands and if you're someone that values local Mm -hmm. then you're going to want to see you know these small businesses partnering and you know reducing their risk right because i mean you don't you know i mean we you know one of our discussions before was there was a brewery here that just shut down. And so I like, I, I think about all that stuff too. Mm-hmm. And that can happen to me. I'm not immune to that. Um, bean fruit wasn't immune to that, no matter how great it is. Nobody is. I mm-hmm. mean, we, we live in a dynamic world. And I think the best that you can do is right. assess all of the relevant facts that are presented to you and make a decision based on that. Yeah. You know? And I think that's that's kind of a common theme yeah. that we've discussed on on all of the topics yeah. that we've we've analyzed on this podcast. But to, to kind of sum it up, basically, it's just one of these things like I was trying to figure out how to move forward with the business, um, took into consideration those avenues to get there and, you know, weighed out the risk and just made the decision and just say, let's see what happens. And that was basically the same standpoint that happened when I looked at doing this business, it was the same 
mindset that I had that went out, decided to go from uh, it being a part-time thing while working a full-time job to go full-time with it. And it was like, okay, these are my risks. This is what could happen. This was this is what could not happen. Let's take a shot and see what happens. Yeah. Well, thanks for letting us into your, you know, your mindset and your process. And I think that's just really helpful and valuable for people to hear. I'm excited. You know, this is month one and mm-hmm. we can continue to check back in on, on how things go and, you know, what you experience. Um, so, yeah, catch back up with us on the next episode of Small Batch Podcast. Uh, you can follow us on social media. I'm at Lauren Rhodes. I'm on the Twitter verse and uh, Facebook and all that stuff at Bean Fruit Coffee Company. And I'm at Jackson McLaughlin. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you soon on the next episode of Small Batch.